This is Patty Davis. I'm a psychic intuitive and medium coming to you from Humboldt County in Northern California. And I'm Judea, a psychic intuitive energy healer from the island of Kauai. And together we're spirit speakers where we meet to discuss a variety of topics from two different psychic vantage points. Hi, this is Patty and Jude and I are going to dive into the vast topic of meditation in this next episode. You know, it's, it's really hard to believe that we haven't done an episode on this already. And I actually think I've referred a few of you to our meditation podcast, which is not actually out there and does not exist until now. So I apologize for that, but we refer to meditation a lot in our podcast. It has a really big part in both of our lives, and we have a lot of fun discussing what we pick up on in our meditations. All right. So to start off with what meditation is, meditation is a technique that's intended to lead us into a heightened state of awareness. It's where we get to hang out with our soul, with the universe, with God, goddess, our spirit guides, travel into other dimensions. And I read recently somewhere where someone called it mental hygiene. And I just loved that because a daily meditation, we can actually go in and just clear out some of the extra garbage in our head and it helps us find clarity and it helps us tap into silence. And when we're able to quiet things down and tap into that silent place, that's when we're able to connect with things that we have difficulty connecting with in our rote everyday activity. So back to meditation. Meditation has been practiced for thousands of years in cultures all over the world and is a part of almost every established religion that there is in some form or another. It's also practiced independently outside of religion, but it's really utilized in many, many ways. And there are so many different types of meditation. There are so many different ways to tap in and to meditate. And I think we're going to have a fun time talking about that today. All right, so let's talk about just some of the basic types of meditation. So first of all, there's guided meditation and there's unguided meditation. Guided meditation is when, you know, you can go on YouTube or listen to Jude and I, where someone leads you in a meditation. You listen to a voice and someone leads you. You can also listen to music or a chant. You utilize some type of audio that leads you into a meditation. And then an unguided meditation is a meditation done in silence where you just sit quietly. We can separate meditation into two groups. There's calming meditation where we're meditating with the intention of calming our minds, or like I mentioned earlier, uh, mental hygiene, clearing out things, calming our minds, slowing down our thought process, calming that monkey mind. And this type of meditation, a lot of times it is a meditation where you focus on an object, on your breath, on a mantra, on a specific visualization or physical sensations. And whenever your mind starts to wander, you go back to that focus. And then the other one is insightful meditation. Insightful meditation is when we go in to meditation with an intention of developing some wisdom or insight or awareness on something. And we can focus on breath to help us get there, but we don't really go in with the intention of quieting. We go in for something specific. I personally call them working meditations and non-working meditations, because for me personally, I will go in just to 
find some inner calm and find some quiet or go into the void. And then there are times when I go in like with what the hell am I supposed to do about this? Or will you please entertain me or show me something new? Or is there a message for me? So for me, there's working and non-working meditations. And that's how I like to separate them. Jude, do you feel like you have a specific working and non-working meditation or do you even specify them that way? Hi, Patty. Hi, Jude. Uh, <laughs> I like that description, working and non-working. I definitely am more of a working meditator because mentally I'm just a more active person and it's a little bit more challenging for me to quiet my mind. And I know that there's other people out there who are the same, like they have the monkey mind, they have the chatter. But sometimes I feel that when those things come up, those are sort of cue points for me to pay attention to that, to look at that a little deeper. Why is this coming up? Why am I stressing about this particular thing? So I allow the monkey mind to flow in and I try to look at it objectively and see what needs to be, you know, balanced or healed around it. So yeah, I'm more of a working meditator, but I also have those moments where I just feel mentally exhausted. I've been overthinking, overanalyzing, overprocessing, and I just want it to be still and quiet. Mm -hmm. And as you said, it's like just focusing in on one thing or one image or one thought or one vibration, one feeling, and just holding on to that and not cluttering it with anything else. So that version of it is, is more rare for me, <laughs> but, um, yeah, a working meditator. I guess that's the category I'd be in. How about you? I definitely do more working meditations than non-working meditations, but we've talked a little bit in past episodes about dropping into the void and, you know, that's deliciousness. And to get there, you really have to do more of the quieting the mind. And a lot of times I will start off with a working meditation and my little monk guide will kind of just shake his head and be like, nope, not doing that today. And he'll guide me into more of a quieting meditation. And I really have used meditation for anxiety. And, you know, we all know that I have dealt with anxiety in the past and I do a ton of grounding to keep on that. And when I first started meditating, that's what my meditation was, is grounding and centering, grounding and just taking deep breaths and really visualizing or energetically traveling down and connecting with the center of the planet and then centering, connecting with my higher self and just running energy and clearing out some of that anxiety and some of those emotions that were really affecting me. And that has turned my life around completely. And we've talked about grounding in our grounding meditation, which actually does exist. And, you know, when we're grounding, we can find balance within our body. And the more we do that in meditation, the more we can outside of meditation, tap into that. And I feel like that's the whole thing with meditation. We can sit for hours or even minutes and have a profound experience. And then later on, when we're not able to sit quietly in a room without any disturbances, we're able to tap into that energy or that sense of inner calm. So meditation not only affects us during the actual sitting time and the practice, but it's something that affects us throughout our entire life. And, you know, they've done all kinds of studies on meditation and it it helps with anxiety. It helps with depression. It helps with manage pain. It helps people tap in spiritually. It helps people heal physically and mentally, emotionally. It lowers blood pressure. It manages heartbeat. It helps people just heal miraculously so many times. There's just so many benefits physically and emotionally. It helps with mental illness, 
in ways that we benefit from meditation. For me, it's a lifesaver. I don't know if I wouldn't have started a meditation practice, you know, many years ago where I would be today. And it's, it's a necessity like brushing my teeth. You know, I just really have to do it. And it's not always easy. There are times when I sit down and meditate and I get nothing, you know, and I just get up and leave and try again later. And then there are times, you know, some of the most profound experiences of my life have come during meditation. So Jude, how did you start meditating? Like what called you to it? Well, honestly, you're the one that really turned me on (laughs) to being more practiced with meditation. Not that I didn't do it before. I just didn't understand its value and how important it was to exercise the act of meditation. And as you said, it's sort of creating this sort of energetic spiritual muscle memory that once you've done the work to journey into those frequencies and you understand them and you get familiar with them, it's so much easier to pop back into them with little to no effort. You know, the more you've been there, the more familiarized you are, and it becomes almost second nature to be able to be like, oh yeah, I want to tap back into that feeling and boom, I can get there. I agree with you a hundred percent. Nowadays, any level of anxiety, fear, worry, stress, as soon as I start feeling overwhelmed, specifically with anxiety, that is my cue to stop and take a look at what's going on. You, as most people know who work with me, I like to work with the chakras and that anxiety can be centered anywhere. I don't know if it's necessarily a root chakra issue or a heart chakra issue or something else going on. Could it be a, an earthbound spirit that's hovering around me? But if I'm too distracted by my life and my kids and my work and all of this, I really need to quiet my mind. I need to quiet the energies around me so I can really hear what's going on in my energy body and externally vibrationally. Nowadays, I utilize it definitely a lot. I definitely am. I think I meditate at least a little bit every single night. And I also have this thing too, more and more in more recent years. And I I wonder if it's the same for you where I get this like tug. It's usually when either my spirit guide or spirits or, you know, some other high vibrational forms of energies are kind of tapping at me like, hello, hello, you need to stop. You need to quiet down. You need to hear what we have to say. And I feel myself at times being like, I'll get to, I'll get to it. (laughs) And then I'll finally do it. And then boom, something very profound comes in. So I feel like spirit understands that we live in a sort of chaotic reality and we really need to settle the energies in order for them to be able to communicate with us more clearly or let us see something that we're not able to see with all the distractions that are happening in life. Does that happen to you, Patty? 100%. And, and I love how you said tug because that's exactly what it feels like. Like something's just tugging in you like, go shut up and sit down. For yeah, a few exactly. <laughs> like I literally feel like they're saying you need to shut up and sit down, <laughs> but like in a nicer way, I was like, okay, okay. But you know, life happens. Yeah. I was like, I gotta, I gotta do the laundry. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I, gotta, I got stuff to do. But then when I do it, it's always something amazing. And, uh, I often get that too. If I go into new areas, um, new vortexes of energy, like places I haven't visited before. And it's a whole new frequency and spirit is just like, you need to stop. You really need to soak this in. You need to sit with this energy and really feel what's here. Meditation is like your own personal spiritual school. It's like a way for you to learn, to strengthen, to enhance your own intuitive and psychic abilities, to heal yourself, to be more conscious of what's going on around you, to be more conscious of your energy and how it affects others and how other people's energy is affecting you. Meditation is like a vital, to me, vital part of uh, the spiritual path. 
you know, I wonder if people really could ascend as far as quickly without it. I think that's a, a really great assumption. I, I don't see how anybody could do that. You know, we live such busy lives and we have so many things that we're processing through our heads and what we're trying to, you know, we're trying to meet appointments and time constrictions and dealing with energies that's coming in and out and trying to figure out what's ours and what's not ours. And to not take a time out and sit in quiet and really devote time to that, it can really get on top of you and you could kind of lose not only lose control, but lose what belongs to you and what doesn't belong to you. And when it comes to empathic people, that just is a, a double whammy because we really need that time to clear energy, to clear out what doesn't belong to us, to understand what is our part in this, to connect with our spirit guides, to connect with our higher selves, to run healing energy. I agree with you. It's a total vital part of life. And, you know, I have so many things happen throughout the day where I'm like, whoa, I need to meditate on that, you know, or, oh, that's something I'm going to have to look at. So it's almost like I have my little meditation to-do list and I happen to meditate at night, which works really well for some people and really not well for some people. And we should talk about that. But um, at night I'll go through my little check list. Like what the hell was that energy surge that I felt? Or what did that particular sign mean? Or why am I totally thinking of this one person today so much? Why are they on my mind? So I'm always like, oh, got to go meditate on that. But I'll agree with you that if I put it off too much, I'll just kind of get spanked, you know, for it. I'll have times where I'm not sleeping and I'm just downloading so much information during the night. And I'll be like, you know, please let me sleep. I promise I'll meditate tomorrow. And then it'll just be like, you're not sleeping tonight. And, you know, a lot of times when I can't sleep, that's what I do is instead of fighting it, I'll just meditate. And sometimes I fall asleep during meditation and that's fine too. It usually leads to some pretty amazing dreams. I have to have that check-in just to stay sane. You know what I find is the most common misconception about meditation and why I think people get overwhelmed at the idea of even beginning a meditation practice is because they believe or think that it's supposed to be this big orchestrated event. Like I need to make sure everybody's out of the house. I need to go into my room and have my special meditation pillow and light my incense and have my altar. And I need to dedicate 45 minutes of meditating and quieting my mind. And you know what? That's lovely and that's great, but that's not realistic for most everyday people. I do not have a meditation altar. I bet Patty does. <laughs> no, <I> do not. <laughs> it's, it's my bed. My bed is my my meditation altar. Right, right. So is mine. <laughs> and I have a beautiful bed. I have a beautiful Balinese carved bed. So it does feel like you should be meditating inside that. But um, I'm surprised you don't have one, Patty. I don't have that. And, uh, and it's not realistic for me to set aside time. In fact, even though some people are very adamant on the linear time of their meditation, I, to me, that's irrelevant. That doesn't mean anything to me. I'm not like, oh, I meditate an hour a day or two hours a day. I know that there are some meditative practices that require that, you know, as part of the learning, but you know, my personal take on it is meditation can happen in a minute and it can happen in an hour. It can happen. It, I don't like to cap it or time it. I think that's, that's never agreed with me. Really. My favorite places to meditate are in my bed at night. And oddly enough, if I'm a passenger in a car, I don't know what it is about the movement <laughs> you know, just that kind of floaty movement, it really helps me tap in and, and feel a little bit more transcendental. And especially if the driver is not talking to me, so I can just <laughs> sit there and do my meditations at that time. 
Oh, that's super interesting. I, I totally agree with you with the time. I have set an alarm when I'm like, oh, I have to be done because I have to get somewhere at a certain time, but I, I don't pay attention. And I've had some of the craziest, most impactful meditations in just a couple minutes. And then there are times when I meditate and it feels like I've been gone for days and I've been gone for five minutes or vice versa. You know, I think it just needs to be flowing. And like you said, people are intimidated by it because they feel like they have to be able to sit and quiet their mind. And I mean, it's wonderful if you can do that. I've had, I've done that maybe a handful of times in my life, but you have to also trust yourself and where you are. There are times when you're going to be able to meditate in a certain way and times when you're not going to. I just had a client the other day who I've, I've seen a couple of times and she's like, I want to meditate. And she was stressed out. She's like, I just don't know when. And I'm like, meditate when you pee at work. You know, it's kind of like when you go to the bathroom, sit there and take a few deep breaths and, you know, you're actually eliminating. So this is a great time to eliminate stress or any energy that doesn't belong to you. When I was a kid, my teachers used to complain that I went to the bathroom way too much. And I am a super empathic being, and I would need that as an escape. I used to escape from my children. For a long time, I meditated in the bathroom because that's the only place my kids would leave me alone. But you can just take advantage of little bits of time, you know, step outside and take three nice deep breaths, or just imagine sending your energy down or dance around your house for a few minutes. That can be super meditative. So it doesn't have to be so structured. And there are, as you said, Jude, very structured meditation practices, which are amazing, but they're not for everybody. And so this might be a good time to go into some of the different ways of meditating or the different types of meditation that are out there that you might've heard of. There's mindful meditation. I'm sure you've heard of mindful meditation. Mindful meditation is a Buddhist practice and it's where you pay attention to your thoughts and your feelings and what's passing through and you acknowledge them and accept them without judgment and you let them go. So that's a practice that helps you recognize what's coming in and let go of it. There's TM, Transcendental Meditation, which um, has been around for a really long time. They use self-realization, mantra, and some yogic practices. There's a spiritual meditation where you connect with a god or a goddess or a specific deity where you connect with a spiritual being or a spiritual dimension and work there. There's focus where you really do focus on your breath or on physical sensations. Maybe you use objects like mala beads or bells or stare into a candle flame. You're, you're focusing on an object or something within your body. Movement meditation, yoga, dancing, walking, Qigong, gardening, you know, wherever you find your Zen, that is a meditation. You know, I could get on the drums and hammer away and have fun when for someone else, they could get on that instrument and just be transported and go into this Zen place. And so using an object is another way to meditate and sound, you know, chanting mantras, music, and then there's Zen meditation, which is all about practicing on your breath. There's sound bath you know, where you go have a sound bath or a sound clearing like Jude offers. And that in itself can take you and guide you into a meditative state and into a state of healing. So there's so many different ways to meditate and you don't have to just sit quietly. You do whatever to you feels like it brings you into a place of balance or a place of harmony into that Zen moment. And that's what works for you. And that could be three deep breaths on the toilet. You know, you I be- love it. <laughs> Hey, whatever it takes, you know what I mean? You know, I tell people all the time that I'm sort of a lazy meditator. It's just because 
not necessarily that I'm lazy. It's just, I live a modern life and I have a lot of projects and I have a lot of things going on. And I always realize how eye-opening that is for people. I feel like my life is sort of a walking meditation. There's always an opportunity around every corner to, as you say, like dip in, take a few breaths. But I also do the checklist thing too. When I feel like I really need to quiet it down throughout the day, I'll be like, I need to meditate on that. Or I'm going to ask later, ask spirit what their thought is on that. Especially if I'm making major decisions, that's when I really want to do a meditation and a clearing and a grounding and a protection, and then ask all my questions. Here's a question for you, Patty. What is your kind of go-to method of meditation? I 100% always start my meditation off with a grounding and a centering. And then I call in my guides right off the bat. And then I kind of go from there. And I've, I've talked about my little monk guide before where I'll, I'll want to go into a working meditation and he just kind of shakes his head no and makes me take some deep breaths and quiet down. And I'll look up, can I go now? Can I ask a question? No. He forces me to calm down because like you said, I I'm the same way. I'm, I have a busy mind. I'm trying to process stuff all day long. It's really easy for me to go into a meditation and go into a working meditation where I'm asking questions and collecting information. And so grounding and centering causes me or forces me to slow down. And then my monk works with me. And then from there, I always start off that way. I just, sometimes I ask specific questions. Sometimes I just say, show me what's out there. I'm a very visual person. A lot of times I'll just close my eyes and I'll see a visual and I'll say, what's that? And it'll form into something a little stronger that I can recognize. And then it'll take me somewhere totally unexpected. Sometimes dead people show up that I haven't thought about in a while or, and I know with you, you have a lot of alien visitations that happen during your meditations. So my regular is starting with the grounding centering, calling in my guides, and then it kind of changes from there. What about you, Jude? You know, for me, it always, if I'm wanting to do like the deep meditation, not my everyday walking three breaths in the middle of the day meditation, but for me, my method is I always start at my root chakra and I always check in with it just to make sure that it's properly grounded. If there's any stickiness or any quartering, I end up going through all of my chakras and I move up to my crown chakra and I just make sure there's nothing in them or around them that's not supposed to be there. And so when everything feels really full and bright, by the time I get to the crown and I've opened up that floodgate to the prana, the the, the high energy, I feel it wash down through me. And then when I feel that nice cord of connection and I feel nice and bright and fluffy, that's when I'll like cue my guides. I'll be like, okay, let's talk story. Let's see what's going on. And I'm the same way as you. I'll either I'll have questions or a, a lot of the times, a lot of information comes to me that brings a lot of clarity about what's going on in my life as I move through each chakra. Like maybe I had um, an odd conversation with somebody that had a weird energy to it and that came up in one of the chakras, or I'm seeing that there was unacknowledged anxieties that I was having about different things, you know, maybe with work or I'm building a house right now. You know, I have a lot of things on my plate. So I walk through my day and I'm feeling like off, or I feel like I'm in a state of anxiety or worry, but I don't know exactly where that's being sourced from. So as I'm going through each chakra, those things will tend to be revealed. And then at the end, that's when I feel most comfortable calling in my guide to get really clear and direct answers. Now, having said that, sometimes I have this great intention that I'm going to go do all that and it's going to be amazing. And then I fall asleep before I even get to the (laughs) sacral or I'm struggling 
and it's just not clear. It's just not feeling really fluid. And um, I'm not getting a lot of information. I'll still go through my chakras. I'll still wash the light over me, but I might not be getting a lot of clarity as far as, you know, audible or direct conversation or information. Sometimes it can be more charged and sometimes not. I have noticed that when there's specific constellation alignments or during full moons, it tends to be very open, very transparent. And then there are times where things are feeling a little bit more stuffy, which is usually like mid moon cycle for me. It's like when everything starts surfacing and getting really like icky, sticky right before that full moon comes in, that's when it's probably the toughest. But that day before the day of and the day after a full moon, I feel like it's really open. It's a really fluid channel with being able to meditate. I love it. You know, it it makes sense to me that you really um, travel through your chakras because I know that's how you do readings. And I have done that in the past. I'm kind of lazy. I kind of jump around and the chakras that are calling on me, but I mean, that's just so you, that makes total sense to me. Let's talk about where to meditate. So meditation is just sitting down, taking a break, separating from your rote life and what you're doing and devoting some time to your spiritual practice and to your own well-being. So where you do it and how you do it and when you do it. I cannot go sit in my living room and meditate because I will open one eye and think, oh, I need to clean that corner. That's really gross. And oh, What did the dog do over there? It's hard for me to do that. I can meditate in bed at night when it's dark. And I designed my bedroom. My bedroom is like the bow of a ship where it's glass, where it comes to actually when I'm laying down, it kind of looks like I'm in a coffin, but all around me, that shape is all glass. So when I meditate at night, I'm seeing the moon is shining through, um, you know, it kind of shines on one side and then it comes through at my feet. It kind of rotates around my bedroom. I'm looking at the stars and I really utilize that connection with the cosmos to kind of guide me in. And then I do my little, you know, my grounding and centering and calling in my guides. The other place I can meditate really well is in nature. If I can sit outside under a tree or feeling the breeze on my face or, or even laying with my eyes closed at the beach, I can meditate really well. And, you know, I, I bought this beautiful, huge statue of a Buddha and I built a platform in front of it out in my front yard to meditate. I've never meditated there once because <laughs> I go out there, I go out there and the neighbor's dog is barking. I guess that's my meditation place that I really never use. So for me, it's at night or out in nature are my easiest places to meditate. It's where I feel comfortable. Now, some people, it's really easy and good for them to meditate at night. For others, it's not good. When we are meditating, we are opening up. We are you know, connecting with the vastness. And for some to do that when they go to sleep, it opens them up too much and they don't sleep at all during the night. And many of us get activated and initiated and get information and visitations during our dream state. And sometimes it can be too much and too exhausting and we need to set that intention. So it's a good thing to practice that. And if you find that meditating at night, if you just fall asleep and you never get any work done, and I think it's fine to fall asleep, but there is a time to be, uh, have an awareness also while you're meditating. Or if you find that it just opens you up and you are just bombarded throughout your dream state and don't get any rest, then it's not the right time for you. And we all have different cycles. I mean, if I don't exercise first thing in the morning, it's not going to happen for me. For some people, it's the same thing with meditating. If they meditate in the afternoon, they're going to fall asleep or be too tired. You know, so it's finding your cycle and what works best for you and not feeling like you need to devote a huge amount of time to it and finding 
a way that it's convenient so that it's easy and not, it's not stressful. So Jude, you meditate at night too. You just said when outside of meditating at night, do you meditate any other times or? Oh yeah. I'll meditate any time of the day. I love what you said about meditating in nature. I love when I'm laying down on the ground and meditating. Cause I feel like there's something about the yeah, magnetic frequency of the planet that just pulls the static out of my energy field. So that whole process that I talked about going through each chakra is so much easier if I'm outside laying down on the ground, it just does the work, you know, it's like less effort on my part. So I can get to that point of clarity and then start asking my questions. So I really love doing nature meditations. And as I said, I don't know what it is about moving in the car. I think there's something about the movement and the floatiness that is very similar to like an astral journey because they're so similarly aligned. It helps me get into that transcendental state very quickly. So if we're on a like long road trip or on a long drive, I'll start just doing my meditations there, which I love. I am definitely more crisp in my mind in the evening hour. I have like a sweet pocket of time. I have noticed I am one of those people though. If I do a laying down meditation, like in a bed in the afternoon, I'm going to fall asleep. I'm not going to make it through. (laughs) So I remember I would do meditations with you, Patty, and I would completely go out like immediately. Do you remember? I would just, I'd be fighting to stay in my body while you were leading me on meditations during the day. But had we done that at seven o'clock in the evening, I would have been able to get through the whole thing. No problem. So what about meditations and groups? Um, I like meditating with groups, but it's kind of distracting for me too, a little bit. I think I get pulled in by the presence of other people around me. And then I often find that I start trailing off and going on my own little journey. And I'm not able to like stay with whatever's happening in the group meditation. I like a free form meditation to follow a guided meditation is a little bit tricky for me because I'm, I don't know if I'm more advanced or more bold or more of a rebel. I just don't (laughs) want to follow the directions. Uh, I like to just journey and do a meditation how I want to, though I do appreciate guided meditations. There's a time and a place for that for me. What about you with uh, group meditations? It's so funny when you took the class with me, I think we talked about this in another podcast, we'd have a group meditation and I'd get done. I'm like, Jude, stay in your damn body girl. Cause you would be like, (laughs) weaving in and out of everybody else and checking on and out in the front yard and like flying all over the place. It was, it was crazy. So I am the same as you. When I first started taking psychic classes, meditating in a group was really helpful to me. I would be able to meditate in the class really well. I'd go home and try to meditate and it would be a a struggle. Uh, For me, a lot of times when we meditate within a group setting, we can pick up on the energy of that group in a positive way or a negative way. They've done a lot of studies in heart math that I've talked about before, where they've taken a group of new meditators and hooked them up to electrodes and had them meditate. And then they've had two or three experienced meditators come in and just sit in the room and meditate along with them. And when they did that, those new meditators were allowed to have a much deeper experience with just having the the seasoned meditators in the same room there. So that's a situation where you can pick up on the energy and the power of numbers and really dive into a deeper state of meditation. However, when you are an empathic being, you can also pick up too much on other people's energies. And 
when I teach classes, I like to hopefully if the weather's being helpful, allow people that need that space to go outside and do that meditation outside and get some physical space away from other people. And I'm like you in a group meditation, I'm picking up on everybody's energy. I'm fighting it. I'm pissed off at myself that I'm doing it. And it's a battle. I can almost never any longer meditate in a group meditation, but when we talk about mass meditations, mass meditations are where, you know, people get together in a community or in a really large group or around the whole world. And they meditate on a common intention, like peace or healing energy. And, you know, if you want to geek out and, and research this, it's so interesting. There are studies where they'll have a group of meditators. There was one done in Lebanon during war times, and they had all these people meditate. Thousands of people were meditating on peace. And during that meditation time, there was much more of a less case of shootings, of war, of people being killed, of homicide. And there are so many, many studies that prove that the power of meditation, and we are all vibrational beings. And when we sit with an intention and meditate together, and we unite vibrationally, you know, that has such a huge impact on the well-being of your community and maybe even globally or even on war times. There are amazing benefits at mass meditation and meditating in a group. However, it's uh, meditating in a physical group with people can be a little tricky, but just don't underestimate the power of intention when it multiplies. You know, I have so many clients that feel guilty about tapping into their own passion and their own joy and their own happiness. And, you know, I, I always say, can you imagine if everybody in the world was able to tap into five minutes of doing something that brings them joy? I mean, it makes me emotional. It would change the whole planet. It would change everything. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I totally believe in the power of mass meditation. If a large enough number of us across the planet could tap into the same thought form or the same intention or desire or dream that we could really have a huge impact. We've all been to that party where that one person could come in and completely shift the whole vibe of the entire place, either in a positive or a negative way, you know? So imagine how one person can affect a crowd of people. Imagine how a crowd of people can affect the, the masses, you know? I don't believe it takes every single person on this planet to align themselves in a higher frequency to help the rest of the planet get there. I believe we can create one small current and the rest will start pulling. It'll, it's like a force of gravity. It just starts going in that direction. You're right, Patty. If everybody could even feel five minutes of pure joy, it would totally shift this planet. And the sad thing is to say is there's a large population of people on the planet who have not felt five minutes of joy in their life. They don't know what that feels like. Wow. So sad. I've had a lot of clients that are divided on the whole vaccination COVID thing. And I have people on both sides coming to me and crying because everybody is really upset and vulnerable right now. And, you know, she said, what do I do? How do I get a spirit suggestion yesterday? And I loved this was instead of worrying about who's right and who's wrong and what's working and what's not working. And we, you know, we definitely have to have an awareness of that. If we were all just to manifest 
healing light on the entire planet, the physical planet, and then humanity. And, you know, instead of getting into our differences and fighting that to just spend some time sending out healing vibrational energy. And I'm just asking that the universe assist us through this journey and through these trials and that people see the light and that we find a cure that everybody agrees on. And, you know, it's like we can manifest vibrationally and through meditation, taking a few minutes to do this on the outcome that we want instead of getting stuck in all the details. And, you know, I also believe it's really difficult to manifest without meditation because we have to really take some time to quiet our mind, to understand where our blocks are, what's getting in the way of us realizing our highest potential or bringing our dreams to fruition. And it takes a little bit time of quieting down and really recognizing that. And when you state an intention, how does that feel in your body? Does it feel like you're clenching up and it's not flowing or do you feel fully open and connected with that? So meditation can also help in manifesting, I think. A hundred percent because manifesting is sort of charging an energy. Think of your plugging in your phone, you know, from 1% to a hundred percent, but the more focus, the more intention you have, when you charge something to a hundred percent of its fullness, that's when it's likely going to manifest. So you got to put in the work. You can't just expect things to, to fall into your lap and to touch on the topic of COVID and vaccines and what side of the table you're on. I agree with you. I think everybody really needs to take responsibility of where they are putting their energy projections. And if your energy projections are going into disdain for another side, or you're getting aggravated or superiority complexes, those are all negative, low vibrational energies. We should really be focusing on love and unity and healing and togetherness. And that doesn't matter what side of the coin you're on here. It just matters that we're all acting out of a state of love, making choices that make us feel good, that make us feel safe. And everybody has a different perception. And that's where I stand. It's like, everybody's entitled to choose what is right for them. But at the end of the day, Anything that adds to us being more separate, more segregated, or having a sense of superiority over another group, that's where I draw the line for myself. So I think everybody just needs to take responsibility and have awareness of where their energy emissions are. What thought forms are you putting out there? And if they aren't coming from a state of love and compassion, then I would probably reevaluate the way you're proceeding about what's happening around the pandemic. That's my nice. opinion. Yeah, I agree. All right, Jude, what is one of your earliest memories or your first profound experience during a meditation that really impacted you? Oh my God, I, I know it's hard that. to, there's so many. One, the one that stands out right away is when I did my very first shamanic drum journey. I got invited to a shamanic drum journey. I had no idea what it was. I had no idea what it entailed. In fact, I was a little bit skeptical. I was like, oh, we're going to go there and have some kind of mystical experience in an hour. Okay. Well, I'm open, but you know, I wasn't holding my breath and the facilitator, she created a container. She called in the four directions and then just started drumming. And if you've ever done a shamanic drum journey, it's just like, boom, 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 boom. It's just this drum. It's kind of loud and it's kind of just right in your ear. And at first I was like, Ooh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle 20 minutes of this just consistent drumming. And what I noticed right away was that it kind of anchored me in a way and just pulled me in very quickly where I was met with a guide and ended up journeying through 
what would be a high realm, a middle realm and a low realm, then I, I came out, out of it. And what I didn't know, because we all did a share afterwards, was part of the shamanic drum journey belief is that there's a, an upper world, a middle world and a lower world. And, and that wasn't discussed to me beforehand, but my guide came in, it literally took my hand and said, here we go. I'm going to show you the three realms here. And so for me, that was this big validation that there was something to this and it was something I wanted to do more of. And that was probably my first, at least I know I've had many more than that, but that's the one that came to mind right away. Wow. That's beautiful. Drumming, shamanic drumming is amazing. And it's interesting. And you and I've talked about this before, how it really anchors you for me. It just shoots me out of my body, like a rocket. And I have to really, um, space out my shamanic journeying. Um, I work with somebody that does the drumming because it's intense on my physical body. I go into almost like a seizure kind of state because of it. Um, and I, I think it's because it's just a difficult re-entry coming back in, but drumming is amazing. I can't meditate. Um, I'll get back to your question, but I can't really meditate on music with listening to music because I can't sit still when I hear music, I'll be like sitting there dancing. And then I'm like trying to figure out the lyrics, but drumming is one of those things that just, it's a totally different meditative experience for me than anything I've ever done. You know, when I first started taking psychic classes, I was kind of, I questioned everything like, you know, isn't manifesting being greedy? Shouldn't we be happy with what we have? You know, is channeling safe? I questioned everything. And we did a meditation and we were supposed to connect with a higher entity or a higher energy. And I wasn't expecting much. And I didn't believe in angels at all. A huge angel came in just as clear as day. And I'd never seen anything in meditation just so clear and spot on and felt the energy of it. So I saw it, I felt it. I sensed it, it shifted something in me. And I just started bawling and really had a hard time pulling it together for the rest of the class. But that was one of the first meditation experiences that I, I can remember that really impacted me when I'm like, Whoa, there's something here. You know, like I wasn't expecting this. I wasn't asking for this and it's what I really needed to see. So kind of backtracking a little bit, you, do you meditate with music? I love meditating with music. I actually have a harder time when it's silent And I have to hear just the regular noise pollution that's happening around this person's lawnmower down the road, the rooster outside my door, my dogs running around on the hardwood floor is like all those little things will annoy me. So I always need something kind of buffer. If I was in a soundproof, you know, space, maybe differently, but I, I get easily distracted and perturbed by the energies or the sounds that are going on around me. But I also want to say if I'm already deep enough in a meditation and external noise comes in to disrupt it, I'm able to maintain my position in my meditation. I don't get yanked out. It's just that beginning part. I like to have something to draw me in and I don't do upbeat music. It's very drony, very kind of one note, very soft very ethereal type music, like a sound bowl or a Tibetan singing bowl or a monochord. I love monochords, but the drumming. Yeah, I agree with you. I wanted to make a note on the drumming. It's not that it grounds me. It takes me out. It tethers me to the journey. I remember when that, when I did the shamanic drum journey, I was shocked at how quickly it took me out. And every time I've done a shamanic drum journey, it always has a beginning, middle and end. There's like a distinct story that unfolds within that time. And it's amazing how 
I don't know, you know, once you do a shamanic drum journey and they generally go about 20 minutes of drumming, you lose track of time. You don't know if it's been 10 minutes, 15 minutes, if it's almost done, but always every single time I've done it, by the time we're getting to the last little drums, the whatever spirit guide is with me that's guiding me through it is taking me back. And they do kind of like a different drumming at the end to pull you back in. It just, it's uncanny. It just blows my mind every single time that spirit always knows exactly how long this journey is supposed to go. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love music, but I also have a friend who she absolutely does not want any sound at all. And <laughs> that's where we really miss a line. You know, I'm like, can we please have something? When I get acupuncture, she always has soothing music on. And I'm always like, can you turn off the music? And she says that there are very, very few people that can go into a relaxed state without having music or something that's grounding out the, the other sounds. And, but I need that. I need that silence. And for you, you know, it's interesting when you said about how, when you get into the meditation, how, um, you don't seem to hear anything because I've done a guided meditation with you before. And, you know, you said you came out laughing and said, wow, Patty, were you sleeping through that? And I was like, Jude, I was talking the entire time. I remember that. <laughs> and you didn't hear me at all. And you're like, uh-uh. and everybody was looking at you like, girl, what the hell? Because oh, I remember in the middle of it thinking, where is she? What is she doing? Like, I was just like, well, I, did she stop? Or like, I didn't even hear you stop talking. And but I was still totally conscious. I was still totally awake, but I thought it was odd that you stopped in silence for so long. Cause I didn't remember you, um, cueing. Okay. I'm going to be quiet yeah. for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, another thing about the drums is the, um, the healer that I go to, she drums and then she drums on my body where the drum is on my body as she's working at my body. Yeah. And, and then she goes back to the regular drumming and I can never tell where she is. I feel like she's at my head and my feet at the same time mm -hmm. or at, on both sides at the same time. It's kind of like you get swept away in that sound to where you lose all sense of time, like you were talking about, but also sense of direction, you know, and, and sense of body. I feel like I, I don't feel my body against the, you know, the table that I'm under and I'm not sure where the drumming is coming from. It just takes you into this vortex. And I'm sure there are people that don't do well with drumming, but for you and I, I know it's really powerful. Yeah. I get told that a lot from clients when I'm doing sound healings on them, they always come out of it. They're like, where were you? You were everywhere. And I think it's because you experience sound differently when you're in a meditation, you're more in your metaphysical astral state and sound travels through you differently. And you're, you know, when we're in our linear third dimensional reality, we're like, Oh, the sound's coming from the corner of the room. Right. I mean, I'm a sound person, super sensitive to it, but I certainly will hear meditative music. I, not all meditative music is created equal. And I think it's different for everybody too. I will definitely listen to some stuff and I'm like, what the hell were they thinking? <laughs> like, <laughs> like why use that instrument? That's like so abrasive to my spirit. I, I don't think it's like for everybody, you know, there's certain instruments, but then, you know, somebody else might be like, it's the most soothing sound in the world. Yeah. You know, I was saying, I don't like listening to music when I'm meditating, but I love your sound healing and your sound bath. And we've talked about that before where I've had some where I felt like I was vibrationally assaulted, but with you, I, I feel like I am in a meditative state, but it's different. It's more like I'm allowing you to balance me and bring in, and it's more like a surrender. Like I surrender when you're doing the, the sound bath and let you do the work. So for me, it doesn't feel like a meditation, but do you feel like when you're doing sound healing, people are in a meditative state, I guess you could say, I don't know. Do you have anything to, Oh yeah, I can totally tell okay, where good. people are at. 
I can tell when people are going out and far out, just like when I would do meditations with you and you're like, Jude, you're flying around all over the place. You know, it's, I get that same sense with my clients. I'm like, this person's going really deep or I've gotten imagery visuals while I'm working on them. And then when we're discussing it afterwards, it'd be the same thing. Like I did a sound a healing on somebody not that long ago. And I, as soon as I rang the gong, I saw these dragons come in, which I've played that gong oh. a million times for people had never seen dragons. It seems like a kind of a cliche thing to see, but this particular one time I saw dragons. And of course she came out and she's like, the gong. I was standing in front of these temples and these dragons were, you know, wow. everywhere. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. You can tell for certain when people are really out and I can tell when people are being more resistant. Also the sound moves through them differently. Like the instruments will get really stuffed out. Like they won't ring out and they won't ring really clear because the, hmm. the sound is not moving through them or hitting where their blocks are that maybe they have a lot of stiff kind of energy. So, you know, they're a little bit more rigid. Yeah. What about, what about me? When you do a sound healing on me, do you feel like I go out or oh, do you feel my like gosh. it doesn't pass through me or no, you're way open. You're one of those people. Sometimes I'm like, Ooh, I got to play these instruments really soft with this person because they're so resonant. They, they ring so clear. And then some people it's like, I feel like I got to give it a little bit more muscle. They need a little bit oh. more meet behind the song, the sound to get the energy moving. So it, everybody's different. I will totally play and dance differently, move differently, depending on who I'm working with and what they need. And I can tell because some people will come out of it and be like, was I supposed to see something? <laughs> and then some people are like, I was on the mountaintops flying on the wings of eagles, you know, like, so teach their own. Wow. Yeah. Um, so we have a question from somebody and I'm going to give this to you. Is it normal for someone to get very nauseated after and during meditation? Have you ever experienced that or heard of that? Um, I've seen a few of my clients get nauseated when I was doing sound healing on them, but I got to say those clients had some pretty heavy stuff sticking on them. And, uh, I think that there is a sense of a purge that needs to happen if you've moved a lot of energy. So my, my thought would be that if somebody felt nauseated, they were probably doing meditation really good and they were moving a lot of old unserving energies. And that might give them that feeling of nausea of, of that purge, that need to purge kind of feeling. But other than that, I don't, I don't know. I've not heard that to be common. Have you? I, I haven't. Huh? So would you suggest that they would go into like their second and third chakra and do some extra clearing there if that's how they're being affected or not necessarily? It's hard to say. It would, I, I would almost have to like read this person and see what's going on. I, I, I've not heard of it being a common thing. Although I can say there'd been a couple of times I've had clients stop me, go get the bucket. I think I'm going to throw up, but I really, knew, oh yeah. But I knew like they do would do some dry heaves. They were getting rid of some stuff. You know, there was definitely some, you know, I won't go into detail, but let's just yeah. say happy stuff trying to get yeah. out. I was um, in a breath workshop with a few friends at my office. We had someone come in and do it. And my friend was gagging the entire time and had to get up and run to the bathroom with dry heaves several times. And so, like you said, for her, I feel like that meditation and utilizing that breath was really doing a lot of clearing that. I mean, it felt like she needed to regurgitate it up. I would think let's talk about breath work meditation. That is Ooh. no joke. No, that is no joke. It's no, for me, I know you agree. And I don't, you know, when somebody's like, let's do a breath work class. I'm like, uh, <laughs> uh, 
I'm like, I'm totally with you. It's awesome. But I, I probably have the most apprehension about doing any sort of breath work because it's so potent. It is so, and it does a lot of release on the physical too, which I think can be more of that intensity as far as feeling nauseated. I think not only is it, you know, spiritually, energetically, mentally, all of that, but physically it's moving a lot of stuff in your physical body that needs to be released. I know, uh, I don't think I've ever done a breath work and not either been sobbing or (laughs) something. Yeah, just too much, just too much. How about yeah, you? There, there's a, a wonderful woman, a practitioner here, a healer that does breathing workshops. And I'd been to one in a huge group and I felt like I was holding back the whole time because I was surrounded by other people and I'm an empath, blah, blah, blah. So we had her come out to my office and I had four friends here and she started facilitating it. And like I mentioned, my one friend was gagging and vomiting. Uh, my other friend was just laying there like a corpse. We didn't even know if she was breathing. And then my other friend was sobbing like loud, uncontrollable sobs. And I, you know, I have this new thing now where I get like these spiritual seizures where my body starts vibrating and shaking and I can't control it. And it was a drizzly day. And I actually crawled out the door of my office, out into the front yard and laid on my stomach in the mud because I was so out of my body and I'm a a very grounded person and, and I'm a control freak when it comes to spirituality and things like this. And I could not control this. I could not bring myself back in. And and I haven't done one with my friends since (laughs) because, (laughs) and, and, you know, and they're like, this is good, Patty, this moves something within you, but it was way too intense for me. It sounds like a hysterical scene. (laughs) You know, if I were like a fly on the wall, I'm like, what is happening here? But, but that's the thing about the breath work. It's like that. And I know some people who just love it. It's the greatest thing. And, you know, to each their own, some stuff is for some people and some not. And I imagine doing any kind of meditation or breath work with you is going to be a little bit more intense than with other people. As you said, with the heart math, where there was seasoned meditators that came in, I've also noticed that the group you're with really does affect the group consciousness, you know, of what, what the experience is. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because my friends that my friend that was vomiting and my friend that was sobbing, they love it and they want more. They feel like it's really therapeutic for me. It kind of scared the shit out of me, to be honest. (laughs) And the poor woman, you know, she comes out, Patty, are you ready to come in? And, you know, we look like hell and we're like, we'll give you a good tip. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like when somebody suggests breath work, all I think about is like, okay, am I ready to sob and seize up and pass out? And, you know, I was like, ah, maybe not today, but it is really good. I definitely know real work is being done. That's a very potent form of healing and meditation for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many different types of meditation that we are not touching on and that we are going to miss. And it's not limited to the things that we are talking about. And it's one of those things where you need to find what works for you and what feels good for you and kind of explore a little bit. We have another question. What changes can you see spiritually if you have been meditating for a while? I'll start off with this one. So for me, meditating for a while got me off anti-anxiety medications and totally changed my life in a huge way. But there's so many benefits. You know, I mentioned some of them earlier. It helps with anxiety, depression, stress, self-awareness, improves um, emotional well-being, improves your immunity. It helps empathic expansion and control. It helps relieve pain. It brings in inner peace and calming. It helps increase clarity. It improves psychic abilities and intuition. 
condition, helps with sleep disorders, lowers blood pressure. And I have a heart arrhythmia and I can control it 90% of the time through meditation practice. So over time, the more you do it, the more you can utilize it outside, as we spoke of earlier, outside of that time that you're actually sitting and actively meditating. So it, it's something that benefits you during that time and beyond that time. I a hundred percent agree with you. It prolongs that sense of well-being and centeredness and clarity. And the more and more I've done it over the years, the more of a longer window of time I have to be in that state of balance and wellness and clarity, because in those meditations, I'm clearing things, I'm releasing things, I'm processing things. I'm drawing in more light. As you said, I'm enhancing my own abilities. And I find that the times between I hit another lull get longer and longer, which is also, you know, which is a great byproduct of meditation, but also it makes me more acute at recognizing when energy gets out of balance. That's the other thing about meditation. It's like you become more hypersensitive to when things are starting to get skewed. And so you can step back in where I think a lot of people are moving through the world and have no sensitivity or awareness because it's a sort of like, they're always walking through mud. So what's the matter if we throw more mud into the, the soup, you know, when you move through life with more clarity, you will notice very quickly when things start getting a little stagnant and sticky. So you can be more on top of it. So that's really what I get out of meditation too. I love it. So um, really quickly before we close up, I wanted to, to just mention the void. We've talked a lot about working meditations and setting intentions and manifesting during meditation. One of the benefits of going in and really practicing quieting your mind and letting some of those thoughts settle or letting them go is that you can drop into a, a place. I call it the void. For me, it's just darkness. It's a sense of no sense of time, no sense of physical body, no sense of emotion, just a state of ultimate awareness of being in the all and in the nothing at the same time. When I'm there, I am saying in my mind, oh my God, this is amazing. I want to stay here. Should I come out now? Have I been, this is amazing. I just can't get out of that loop of, wow, this is amazing. And nothing else is coming in. It's just a state of bliss that I can't describe. And the way to get to that is really practicing that controlling the thought process and going into that place of really ultimate stillness. So you can slip into that. It's not something that I can go into really easily. I practicing that I would like to be able to tap in there much more often. And I know Jude, you've had experiences with that too. Do you think you get there through that meditation technique of really quieting everything down? Or do you feel like you set an attention and go there through a working meditation? Well, first of all, your description of the void is exactly the same description of mine. It's all everything and nothing. And you just are, everything just is there. It's very difficult to describe. It's just like a mm -hmm. pure state of like content in the now. And that's it. And, um, what I find is accessing the void is the challenging part. But once you've dipped yeah. your toe in, you just get, you don't want to leave. <laughs> oh, you just get pulled right in. And it's so easy to surrender. Once you get a little like taste of it, you're just like, oh, you just melt into it and you could be there forever. But accessing that first sample of it, that's the hard part is accessing it. And I can't even tell you for certain how and when I access it. But I can tell you, I have noticed that there are certain clients, certain people that I'll read and I'll be moving through their energy and 
something about their energy will yank me into that void. And I'm in the middle of work, quote unquote work, and I can't be surrendering, but there are times where I'm just like, I, I, I would just love to fall out and just, just bliss out in this, you know, portal that I reach through somebody else's energy. It's usually people who are, you know, very elevated, very type of advanced beings. They have these portals in their energy. It's, it's rare, but it happens. We're just in the middle of a session. I was like, can I just bliss out for like 10 minutes and come back later? (laughs) So is that, so is that an empathic reaction? Are you picking up on their energy? So you're able to access it or does it just trigger that with it? Well, I guess maybe that's the same question. Why do you think that is? I think it's because they have tapped into the void. I think that they have an opening. They've accessed it somewhere along the line in their experience. And so by me moving through their energy field, I got pulled into the doorway and then I get pulled right into the void. And, and then I have to kind of get, I'm holding on by a thread, you know, it's like, I could let go and just surrender to it, but I'm like, Oh, I gotta be here. I gotta be present for you, but this feels so good. I don't know why it happens. It's not that often, but it does happen to me during sessions. And, um, Uh, Beyond that, there are times in my meditations where I sort of like, whoops, I'm in the void. Like, it's not like I've ever really let me go. I'm going to try to, you know, climb my way in. It just either happens or it doesn't. I don't really know. I don't really feel like I have control over it. I mean, now that you mention it, though, I, I don't know if I've ever actually really consciously tried to pull myself into the void. But when I do more of a, a quiet meditation, it's not necessarily the void. It's more of just really, sometimes for me, I just want to focus on light or the feeling of unconditional love. And that's it. Mm. I just want to hold on to it. And just having something to focus on either like a color or a light or a feeling is enough to just quiet down all my other sensories. It's just, I can go into one focal point and that's not quite the void, but it's something similar to it where I get to just be content in my ism, in my being but the void, the, the everything and nothing, the blackness, no time, no space, no thought, no form, but everything and nothing all at once. That's something special. And that's, that's exactly how I, I feel that space too. Yeah. I, I, I kind of think maybe there's an aspect of surrender to get there. And I right. have a really difficult time surrendering. I have been in active meditations, working meditations where I've somehow slipped into it too. Me too. It's not yeah, it's yeah. not that I I can only get there if I'm doing a mindless, but a mindless and surrendering is I feel like that can be a stepping stone to it maybe for many people. But yeah, you have to let totally let go and accept and acknowledge and not judge to to go there. And then once right. you get in it, it's all that. Yeah. And it's so easy to surrender is the thing though. It's like once you sort of start feeling yourself slipping into it, like the surrender part is suddenly so easy. It's just getting there. That seems like the you know, it's the mystery. It's like, how do we get into that space? But that's what I think some of those really disciplined meditative practices are trying to get you to is to be able to access that with more awareness. I'm not really sure. I've never done one of those deep workshops where we're meditating for hours a day. I've never done it. I have no point of reference, but I have had a friend who does uh, Vipassanas. Is that how we say that? To the, si- so. the silent awesome. meditative retreats. Mm-hmm. And she goes often, and I've had her thoroughly described to me because they're sitting in silence for days, 30 days. She'll go wow. at least 10, 10 days, as much as 30 days. And uh, they sit in silence and they're given kind of this instruction on what they're to do. I think it's incredible really, but I cannot speak from experience. I really don't know. 
my brother had the opportunity to go to a silent retreat at a monastery and he wasn't able to go and he offered it to me. And I said, do they have a swimming pool and a bar? <laughs> then no. <laughs> and now I just kicked myself in the butt. Like what an amazing opportunity that would have been, but I was a different person back then, but yeah, I've never done the silent retreat either. And um, it sounds like it would be really difficult and really amazing at the same time. I feel the same way. I feel like it feels like torture, but at the same time, I know it would be so beyond, you know, but one day, one day I'll have to try it. Yeah. So as you can see, there's so many different forms of meditation and what one person likes and prefers in their meditative practice is going to be different from another. So there's no one way to do this. I oftentimes take for granted how second nature meditation is to me. And I get clients all the time who are like, well, what do I do? And how do I do it? And where do I begin? And Patty and I have always uh, have both suggested YouTube is a really great resource as far as many hundreds, thousands of different people offering their forms of meditations with music, without music, different voices, different lengths. I think that's a really great place to start. You might listen and rifle through it a few dozen of them before you find ones that you really like, and you can save those and refer back to them. And you can think about meditations for anything, meditations for abundance, meditations for manifesting, for healing, for specific chakras, uh, for more peace in the world, whatever it may be, you can find those YouTube is a really great source. You can also find local, a lot of communities have people who do group led meditations where they meet weekly and you go together and, and just drop into these meditations. It's a wide and easily available practice. I'm sure there are groups online, probably on social networks where you can join groups that are doing meditations. I know that there's groups on Facebook that do global meditations regularly. So if you're interested in exploring meditation and you feel like you're somebody that needs assistance with that, know that there is infinite resources everywhere online. And we cannot say for certain which one is best suited for each. You got to go explore that for yourself. And for those of you who are interested in continuing listening after we close out this podcast, Patty and I are going to do a little guided meditation for all of you here where Patty is going to lead us on a meditation and I am going to contribute some meditation music behind it. Please be mindful and don't do it while you're driving or operating heavy machinery. <laughs> so if you want to do the meditation, find a nice quiet spot. You can lay down, sit down, relax, and that will begin at the end of the podcast. So with that, uh, I just want to say to everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for your donations. Thank you for sharing us with your friends and your family and spreading the word about what we do. We love the community. We love hearing from you. We love reading your comments on our Instagram at Spirit Speakers Podcast. And if any of you want to know more about what Patty and I do, you can check us out on our website, spiritspeakerspodcast.com. Great. And I also have some guided meditations available on my website. There are some to download for free and there are some for purchase if you're interested. And again, you can find both of our websites through spiritspeakerpodcast.com as well. All right. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy the meditation. Aloha. Take care.
Okay, let's start by taking a few nice deep breaths. Breathing in deeply, allowing your abdomen to expand and fully exhaling, allowing it to drop. Now allow your breath to return to its normal rhythm. And we'll take a moment here to call in our spirit guides, asking them to assist you with this meditation. Setting aside anything that you have to do later, any worries, any thoughts, knowing that it'll all be there for you after this time. with one nice deep inhalation. Allow yourself to exhale and as you exhale, let everything melt. If you're sitting, allow your head to drop and your shoulders to drop, your mouth to drop open. If you're lying down, allow your body to just melt into the surface in which you're lying on. Totally letting go relaxing and surrendering. As you surrender into the gravitational pull, allow gravity to pull your energy down with it. Allow that energy to fall into your, the soles of your feet or into the base of your spine if you're lying down. allowing it to exit through the soles of your feet or through the back of your body down into the surface in which they are touching. Now down through the room or through the soil. That energy just wanders deeper into the earth, finding its way around stones and rocks and tree roots down through the water table, through layers of sediment, dropping deeper and deeper into the planet. With each exhale, that energy flows a little deeper. We send love and gratitude to Mother Earth with this energy and it finds its way to the heart of our planet. And here we are accepted and welcomed and held. And now the energy of the earth is given back to us back up in the same pathway as we send energy down. We are accepting energy in an upward motion. We're accepting unconditional love and healing and light from the center of our planet, from our home, from our mother. 
And that energy works its way back up into our physical body, filling us with light and love and nourishment. With the exhale, we feel our energy traveling downward. With the inhale, we feel it coming back up into our physical body. Filling our physical body with light. And take a moment to feel that exchange of energy, allowing it to flow downward and upward, in and out. And now if you're sitting, allow yourself to sit up straight, stretching your crown up towards the sky. And now sending light upward, up beyond your crown, up through the cosmos, traveling upward, reaching your higher source, your soul, your higher self universal love feel your physical body stretch upward or your energy radiate upward and connecting and now in self-love and self-acceptance Allow that light to shine back down on the top of your head. And now as if it were liquid gold, allow it to run over your body. Warming you, blessing you, healing you. And allow that light to radiate inward, entering through your crown chakra. running through your body, going wherever it's called, wherever it's needed, filling you with golden light. Allow that light to pause around your heart chakra, reminding you of who you are in full love and acceptance. And now that light coming down from above and that light coming up from the earth meet up with one another and they begin to dance and flow throughout your body all the way down to the tips of your toes, all the way up to the top of your head, down your spine filling up your abdomen and your heart space, traveling down your arms to the very tips of your fingers. Allowing yourself to fill up with so much light that can no longer be contained. It starts to flow and shine 
outside of your body, traveling outside of the pores in your skin, filling your entire aura up with light. And here we bask in your higher self and self-love and the anchoring energy of the planet in full illumination. Now set the intention to allow that light to shine even brighter. Allow it to radiate out throughout the home or the space that you're in. Radiating out into the yard, out into the community, your state, your country, and all the way out around the entire planet. sending love and healing light to all beings, to the plant life, to our planet, to our universe, our sky, throughout the cosmos, connecting spiritually and as deep as possible with all entities and beings from multiple dimensions, allowing your love light to expand as far as possible. Now connecting back into your heart space, allowing that light to radiate out, but taking your focus back home to your center, to your core. yourself to travel back into your physical body, back into this present time and place, and with one nice deep cleansing breath, allowing yourself to open your eyes and return fully. <laughs>